Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, everyone. My name is Shannon Patterson. I am a current PGY2 health system pharmacy and administration leadership resident at the UNC Medical Center. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. This series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of pharmacy leadership, career transitions, and more. My name is Shannon Patterson, and I will be your host today. Today, we are sitting down with Becky Taylor, who is currently serving as the Vice President of Pharmacy Services at UPMC, and Trent Beach, who is currently serving as the Executive Director of Pharmacy Services at UNC Health to discuss leadership reflections, and if I knew then, what I know now. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Shannon. All right, so let's get into it. Our first question of the day is, currently as an administrative resident, I will soon be entering my first leadership position. So can you both tell me a little bit more about the lessons that you've learned and what would help me within my first role? Thank you, Shannon. um, I'd be happy to talk a little bit about some of the lessons I learned over time that may help you uh, right off the bat. Um, This is centered around cultivating some self-awareness and empathy uh, and being able to grow those skills as you lead uh, over time. It seems sort of obvious, right, uh, that you would cultivate self-awareness. It's certainly intuitive to think that you need self-awareness. For the most part, it was for me. It was intuitive. However, I had a blind spot, and over time, I recognized that. So let me give you a little background, a little story about how um, I was able to discover this and what I did. Um, I came from a blue-collar family, rural, hardworking family, sort of inherited a work ethic from the greatest generation. Um, My father did manual work. My grandparents uh, worked in the textile mills. I was a plantation worker uh, full-time at the age of 12. I worked in the fields, maintained the orchards, uh, tended the vineyards, loaded hay into the barns. Um, So working hard uh, for an honest day work was deeply instilled in me. Early in my career as a clinician, I took those values and that uh, work ethic into uh, the academic setting. Uh, I, I saw that pharmacy practice, I needed to grow. I was exposed to university-based academic practices, and I thought, you know, I was inspired to extend that to community hospitals and ambulatory settings where I was working. And in those early days, that work ethic led to me doing very, very many things, a lot of work, lots of different areas. I was I was getting involved with uh, many things, and so uh, that brought a lot of uh, Uh, rapid repute and accolades, not something I was pursuing, but was a byproduct of that. And I was increasingly asked to take on escalating uh, positions of leadership. And in those, uh, I recognized that I needed to pick up new skills, and I did. And I thought, you know, applying that same work ethic that I would pick up those skills. But as I mentioned, I had a blind spot. Um, It came to pass many years later that I signed up my uh, HSPA residence for a 10-month Harvard Business Leadership course. I took it with them. I thought it would be perfect to be able to lead conversations and discussions as I helped to develop them. And uh, one of those lessons, I became cognizant of the term pace setter. 
And while I was always thought of, I always thought myself as a results oriented or always trying to do my best in every situation, I found that working with others and and achieving in the way that I always had could be seen by others as setting a bar or maybe even kind of an unspoken level of expectation. It was never the intent. But I took steps um, following that to be able to communicate those expectations that may be distinctly different from what they observed. So I took lots of lessons from that. And I would encourage you in your career uh, to constantly generate a level of self-awareness by asking for feedback, constantly looking and asking um, and self-assessing. Trent, it was really nice to hear your story, and uh, we have a lot in common. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania originally, so my whole family worked in the steel mills. And so that installation of, of hard work and dedication, I think, translates really well to healthcare. I uh, I also, you know, I resonated with a lot of things that you've talked about. And, and one of the major lessons that I wanted to share with you, Shannon, as you head into your first post-residency um, career, is that I think that, you know, often we can become hung up on the sort of hierarchy of progression of positions And I'll tell you, sitting where I sit today, I'm so grateful for the valuable positions that I was able to do in both an academic medical center in addition to community hospitals. Because in my role over 43 hospitals and uh, 60 plus infusion sites, I had so many opportunities to build things and learn things from scratch um, in a community hospital. And also, I think, learn from non-pharmacy leaders, such as nursing leaders and COOs and hospital presidents. And I find that experience is something that I call on today when I'm often the only pharmacist in a meeting. And I am so grateful for those mentors that I have, and I'm still actually pretty close with a lot of them. And I just, I think it's just something that I've come to value 20 years as a pharmacist, looking back, maybe looking at things a little bit differently. Thank you for sharing that, Becky. And thank you for sharing Trent as well. I think both of your sharings have really given me insight into how to be successful within my first role. Another thing I've been thinking about is how to be successful as we move up. Um, And so my next question is, can you tell me about a key skill that you have obtained in your career to be successful at the executive level? Um, Sure, Shannon. I'll, I'll take that one first this time, if that's okay. I really think it's important, uh, especially as we work to educate non-pharmacists, whether that is Uh, financial administrators, physicians, uh, nursing colleagues, to really focus on keeping our complex topics as simple as we possibly can. I try to use a lot of analogies. I try to, you know, insert humor when possible, you know, specifically when I'm trying to discuss a complex topic such as 340B. And just try to relate to folks and understand that, you know, I also think it's complex, but really, you know, breaking it down to, uh, you know, 
whack price is essentially full price with no on sale. Uh, you know, sometimes I talk about GPO and I say, you know, it's it's kind of like the the blue light special um, and 340B is really like the bargain basement. Um, you know, we used to shop in a department store downtown. So I don't know if that resonates with folks, but I I try to explain it in simpler terms first and then kind of do a deeper dive. And, and again, I'm fortunate that so many executives want to know so much more about what we have to share. So I just try to, to keep it as simple as I can. You know, Becky, that resonates with me. And um, I agree with you. That That is definitely important. Um, you know, for me, another skill that I actually had to develop over a period of time is building trust. Um, as a clinician, you know, the skills that that make you successful are not necessarily the skills that will make you successful as you uh, go into management and then on into further leadership and uh, building trust. Um, I don't want to talk about basic trust because I think, Shannon, in your uh, PGY2, uh, you'll get some of that, how it's day-to-day building uh, that trust. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what I learned when I was with uh, an organization um, that we're seeing in today's healthcare environment where organizations are coming together because of a number of economic forces. And so there's a number of mergers and acquisitions, um, a number of other different ways that hospital and acute care facilities are coming um, into larger networks. Um, and leaders are increasingly thrust into positions of leading those who once led those acquired organizations and are leading those who um, maybe were let go from those organizations. And so I found over uh, a good decade that these are emotionally charged situations. You go into an organization that has been acquired or a merger has been done and decisions about leadership have to be done. And during the 20 teens, let's say, I was in a position to participate in and lead integration of hundreds of acquisitions with the organization I was with. And each came with varying circumstances, different personalities, different levels of practice and understanding. But there was at least one thing I found in common, Shannon, and that was that people seek respect. So it's important to give it to them. Um, If you're the acquiring organization, still be respectful. Uh, It was very important that I could see that. In 2018, I was in a position to lead those uh, types of experiences with an eight-hospital system in Northeast Indiana. And each hospital had their own director, but we had to to remove some of those from the, the field. And so lessons learned from that um, was from the 90s in trial and error. It's important to listen. And even as you're providing them the information about the transition, uh, recognize and acknowledge their value and accomplishments in, the, in, in leadership prior to the, the acquisition and be able to build that trust with them over a period of time so that things work out um, much better than just coming in and we're here to take over. Perfect. Thank you, Trent, for sharing that. And going off of Trent of what you were saying with trust, I think as a pharmacy leader and change agents, um, how have you really embraced and leaned into a culture of safety and trust? Sure. Um, and Becky probably can add to this. Um, you know, when when we're thinking about um, the types of of 
problems and challenges we face in the profession, we're constantly being asked about um, financial versus clinical safety. And so it's important for us as clinicians to be aware of the financial pieces, but also at the same time in that decision hygiene, uh, to be able to take into account what that impact is on the patient or, or the organization even. And um, with trust, it comes down to psychological safety as well. And so for me, it's really about asking and nurturing that um, culture with your team uh, to be able to bring up um, issues, uh, to let them know that you want to hear it. You know, some of the things that you often hear me say to my staff is when, when they bring me feedback or give me input, I'll ask constantly, I'll say something like, I appreciate this feedback. Knowing this will allow me to do ABC. By telling them why it was important for them to do that, it, I think it bolsters them to come to me again in the future. And then obviously, if they tell you something, you need to follow through. And so that helps with that um, trust as well. Becky, you have thoughts on that? Yeah, Trent, thank you. It's uh, Shannon, it's a, it's a really good topic and something that is central to any relationship, a working relationship or a personal relationship. And I think so important when we consider the state of the pharmacy workforce today in terms of, you know, some of the struggles that we're seeing, um, the open positions and, and really trying to retain folks. I, Trent, I love how you mentioned psychological safety and you know, I constantly consider, you know, it's really important to still have face-to-face -face meetings, even though we're spread uh, so far apart. So UPMC is over three states. And, and so I've made it a point in the two years in my role to visit 80% of our locations in person, try to meet with as much of the staff as I can. Uh, answer questions in a in an open sort of town hall format. Uh, you know, we're going to be preparing and changing our EMR. And that, of course, can cause a lot of anxiety for people, a really big change from what they're used to. So, you know, even if I don't have the answer, I think it's just really important to stand there and say, I'm in this with you. I understand there's uncertainty. I don't have every answer, but, you know, I'm going to be there and I'm at these meetings and if I don't know something, I'm, I'm definitely going to reach out to those of you that I know do. Perfect, Becky. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I think that really exemplified how I can really um, enter a new leadership role and have that trust and be a change agent within that role. As we enter the current climate of, as you were mentioning, with healthcare workers, an increase of wellness and burnout. I want to hear from you all how you have maintained a work-life balance and how that has potentially changed over your career as well. Shannon, I'll take that one. Uh, you know, I, I've i tried really, really hard to put my personal health first to be a good role model for my children. In addition to, uh, you know, I've, I've maintained over a hundred pound weight loss. And, and part of that is a pretty strict commitment to a special diet and, you know, exercise, even when you're traveling. 
I do find it it really important to continue to do that because I feel that the exercise helps me from a mental balance perspective as well as you know physical fitness and you know uh, the days are long and busy and you know you're trying to do all of those things but I, I find that it really helps me be centered and I think that it's important for your employees to see that you take those things seriously and you respect and appreciate that that they need to also have that same balance. Trent, what do you think? I'm in a complete agreement and circling back to um, earlier when I was talking about um, really working hard, often that balance was not even a consideration. Um, there was a certain amount of joy and exuberance and being able to go and and do all of that work to the point that I neglected my body, I neglected uh, my mental health. I was always uh, a fairly resilient type person. So if I had some challenge, um, I found a way to either go around it or to be okay with not going around it. And so when I have had obstacles to physical fitness, I often would just stay at work. Uh, continue to work. And so in more recent years, um, that has really changed. I have um, um, also been on a, a weight loss journey and have been able to maintain that for a, almost a year now. And so I feel really good about that. And and it changes your outlook, right, Becky? It, it, it really does have uh, an effect on outlook. And then when you feel good and you're bringing that realization I talked about earlier that other people watch you and they see you and what you do for yourself, uh, they, um, they set that tone off of what they see their leaders. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, they do. And Shannon, I think it's especially important for our residents and training, you know, those long hours at the, at the hospital, at the clinics, working on projects, you know, I, I really encourage residents and young practitioners to do those things, you know, and make that just a part of how you build your day, whether it's taking a break in the middle of the afternoon, walking, getting some sunshine. I, I really think that it, it will lead you well into your next role. Thank you for sharing. I definitely um, hear both of you an example by leadership. Uh, you know, one thing I've actually in my last year of resident or in this, my PGY2 year, is I have started going to cycling classes at 5 a.m. this year. And I have seen my mental capacity as well as my presence within my work has significantly changed. And I show up to residency as more productive and I'm really able to contribute to a much higher level this year than I believe I was previously too. So I definitely hear you all and what you're saying, and I definitely have experienced that myself as well. So thank you both for sharing um, all of your amazing experiences, as well as what you've just learned over the years. I have enjoyed taking notes and learning from both of you about your leadership reflections, and will continue to use these as I am entering my first role and throughout my career. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank both Trent Beach and Becky Taylor for joining us today to discuss leadership reflections. If I knew then, what I know now. Find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. 
Thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.